The Stranger Things Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4, The Mall Rats. Why do you treat me like garbage? What? You said Nana was sick. She is. She is. She is yeah, sick. Yeah, she's sick. sick. She's sick. She's super sick. That's why we're here, actually. Yeah, yeah, we're shopping. Not for us, but for her, for Nana. For Nana. Also, we're here to get a gift for you. We just we couldn't find anything that suited you, and I only have like three dollars and fifty cents, so it's hard, super hard. It's, it's expensive. You lie. Why do you lie? I dump your ass. Hello, and welcome to. The Stranger Things Podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to the Netflix original series. Stranger Things. I'm Daryl. Please stop. (laughs) And I'm Addie. (laughs) How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be sitting here talking about Stranger Things with you. I loved that little opening quote scene that we played. I can like visualize it. And I love Max's (laughs) facial expression. I do too. I, one of my honestly, one of my favorite things is to keep my eye on Sadie in any scene because she has the funniest, either facial expressions or she'll she'll twitch her head or cock her head, you know, to something like Lucas will say something and she'll be just like, "What? You know, that ain't right." You know, just her facial and, and head expressions are awesome. Yes, totally with you. Well, here we are today talking about season three, episode two. The Mall Rats, which uh, was written by the Duffer Brothers and directed by the Duffer Brothers, uh, won't be the same way next week. But uh, the first two episodes were, and we got some new characters this week, Addie. So we have Carrie Ellis as Mayor Larry Klein and Francesca Reale as Heather, which is the lifeguard. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff with both of their characters this week. Oh, yeah. Man, I I really liked this episode. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to come up with these sometimes crazy, sometimes right theories. I've got some good ones, I think. I mean, good in the sense that I really enjoyed putting a lot of thought and coming up with these theories. Whether they end up being good, I don't know. But when I have as much fun coming up with theories as I did with this episode, then that means I enjoyed the episode a lot and I there to find a lot to talk about. So looking forward to today. Because you binge these seasons, how is it for you now that you've seen the whole thing, now you're coming back, it's been a week since you've seen the whole season, and here we are talking about, you know, episode two, the beginning of the season. So what's the experience like for you? I mean, it's exciting to see, like, what you think, because sometimes you're wrong as <laughs> in season one, season two. Uh-huh. But uh, some of my friends have been watching the show. And um, my friend Cameron, he spoiled something for himself, and I was so mad at him for He did it. it on purpose, too, right? Yeah, he did it on purpose, and I was like, Cameron, why would you do that? So, yeah, we were all very disappointed in him. <laughs> you know, it's hard, Cameron, because, I mean, I've been where Cameron is, I, I think. You know, I used to be a huge lost. I mean, still a big lost, but when it was on the air, is what I mean. And I there was one season where the... I don't remember if it was the season finale or the season premiere. It was a huge episode. And 
the, it got leaked online, not the video, but like a synopsis of it got leaked online. And I thought, there's no way this can be true. I'm going to read it just, just because there's no Why way. Why would you be. do that? And it was true. It's definitely one of, if not the biggest plot twists of the entire series that I spoiled myself on. And it just took all, it didn't take all the fun away, but it, I, I have huge regret over doing that. So uh, Cameron and those who, who are like Cameron, don't purposefully spoil yourself. You'll, you'll regret it. Yeah, some of my other friends have been watching like Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. And so one of my friends, so his name's Pepperoni, he spoiled my other friend Josh. And Josh was so mad at him for it. <laughs> and then he eventually just like gave up. So he was oh. like, okay, spoil everything. I don't care anymore. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Yeah, he was so upset. Uh, well, I'm still salty about Lucas spoiling me on the Russian scene from last week, but that's okay. It was like a week ago. <laughs> Get over it. I'm trying. All right. Well, I will try to get over that while I read the episode uh, summary for this uh, for this one, The Mall Rats. Billy manages to escape the mill, but is taken into the Upside Down where he encounters his doppelganger. Can't wait to talk about that. When Mike doesn't show up at the cabin to see Elle, she calls him. He lies to her about his Nana being sick. Later, Eleven and Max run into Mike, Will, and Lucas at the mall where Eleven breaks up with Mike. Nancy and Jonathan follow up on her lead and find Miss Driscoll had caught a rat that was eating her new fertilizer. When they're not looking, the rat implodes into an amorphous organic mass and escapes. Hopper asks Joyce on a not date, but she gets caught up in discovering why all the magnets have lost their magnetism. Dustin, uh, with the help of Steve and his co-worker Robin, translate the Russian sentences. They then hear a song from the mall in the background suggesting that the message originated in Hawkins. Meanwhile, Billy struggles with nightmares during lifeguard duty and guided by a strange voice connected to his doppelganger he saw on the Upside Down, he abducts Heather and takes her to the mill to be possessed by the entity monster thing there. So that's the recap. I like how they said an amorphous organic mass instead of just, you know, blob. Blob. Yeah. All right, Addie, let's get into some episode discussion. So this one kind of starts where the last one left off, right? I think the last scene we saw in episode one was Billy getting drugged down the stairs. This one starts out with Billy escaping that mill and then running to the phone book uh when he's dial or uh, phone booth rather when he's dialing 911 we're getting some flashes to what he had experienced and i think all those flashes were pretty much what we had seen last week with except for the face hugger yeah we see two shots one is the amorphous blob kind of shooting out this arm projectile with these i mean Similar to a Demogorgon and how it kind of opens up with these, like a Demogorgon's mouth would, but n- didn't look like a Demogorgon. But, um, and then we see another scene with that, like you just said, similar to the facehugger from Alien, right? So that was cool. I mean, anytime we're getting something related to Alien, I'm pretty happy. We got the empty eggshell and the upside down in season one that we still don't have an answer to. But here's another Alien shout out or homage. I was really hoping that Billy would be safe. Were you now? Yeah. How is it that you like Billy more than Steve? It's not that I like Billy more than Steve. It's just that I actually care about him as a person. 
<laughs> okay. It's not that I don't care about Billy as a person. It's just, I find him to be a terrible one. <laughs> is that fair? That, that's mean. Okay. I mean, Billy is obviously a victim at this point in this season, but that doesn't change the type of person that he was. Even like what we did see last week with him trying to seduce a married woman. I mean, he's not a great guy. Um, I have a question, and I know you can't probably answer this, but I'd like to talk about Billy getting zapped into the upside down because he's in the right side up. He's on 911 talking with them, and then all of a sudden he's in the upside down. And I don't think we've seen this type of thing before. Like we've seen people dragged into the upside down or Nancy crawled through a a tree, which was essentially a gate into the upside down. We've seen other gates crossed to get into the upside down. But I don't think we've seen people like just suddenly they're in the upside down. Like whenever Will was taken... I feel like there there's been more than one thing. I feel like there might have been two. I, oh, I feel like there could be something I'm not Well, at the of. end of season one. Okay. But okay. And, and so that kind of gets me to where I was going here. I think the reason, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't think of that specific thing. But I think what happened here is this is after Billy's encountered the face hugger. So I think something has been put into him that allows that monster to have control over him and obviously we see that as he kidnaps heather but even here like it was able to bring him to the upside down without any effort without him being immediately right there like the demogorgon seems to physically drag you and i think that's probably something we saw with will there too right he had been in the upside down and now he he's susceptible to it or he's you know what i'm trying to say here sure yeah, I just thought it was weird. I'm glad you brought that about Will. I didn't think about that. We also see this zombie group, if you want to call them that. I call them that because we saw Day of the Dead last week. We've we've all several of us have talked about how zombies seem to be a recurring theme of this. So when that crowd of people, that group of people, is approaching Billy, when the fog and the silhouettes, I mean, it reminds me of zombie things, whether it's Day of the Dead or Return of the Living Dead or Michael Jackson's Thriller video. There's so many, you know, zombie things you can you can riff off of there. But he, Billy, sees himself. Is this the first time that we've seen someone encountering their doppelganger? I think so, yeah. Is it the first time that we have seen a doppelganger? I think so, yeah. Um, okay, because I, I think that's important because we've talked about the Upside Down being a parallel universe. And if that is going to be a parallel universe, it's not only filled with the buildings of said universe, but the people of said universe. And so this, for them to actually physically show us that now with the doppelganger of Billy, and he, so he sees himself and he says, what do you want? over and over again and then it says to build he says to build what and it says what you see here or he says back to himself and at first i was like i don't even, i don't even know what that means like what does that mean but then at the end of the episode when he brings in heather i'm guessing he saw heather it says build what build what build what you see here that group of people and so i'm guessing he's going to start either that specific group of people or just in general, a group of people I need to. I thought it was just like people. an army in general. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it in those terms. Interesting for sure. This, so this opening scene for me is just all kinds of new elements, new things to consider. And I loved it. 
the intro rolls, we get the scene with Mike and Hopper and Eleven and Mike's mom. This scene was amazing. Hilarious in so many levels. Mike is such a bad liar. It hurt. <laughs> it physically hurt. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, whenever his mom was, like, listening in on their conversation, and he was like, or she was like, did Nana call? And he's like, no, mom, get off the phone. It was so funny. It was awesome. Yeah. I don't think you've ever experienced that. I mean, it's still a thing. We do still have a landline. I don't know why. The only people that call us on that are your grandparents, my grandparents, and telemarketers, right? Yeah. Like we should just totally get rid of the landline. But growing up, absolutely. When when landlines were all there was, someone could, if you had two phones in the house, you know, you could listen in on somebody else's conversation. Yeah. I remember before I had my own phone, sometimes that would happen. Or like Colby would like listen to it. I'm like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's cool. I didn't know you'd experienced that. Um so, but yeah, it was hilarious. It was so funny. Mike is a terrible liar. Uh, the whole bit with mom listening in and, and yelling around the house, get on the phone, get off the phone. You know, just it brought back so many memories for me growing up. You know, are you listening in? Hang up the phone. You know, just so much of that. It was, it was a bit of a nostalgia for me. Hilarious, obviously. And then followed up with... Um, that was so funny. Um, Hopper. Yeah. That was so funny. I remember like the first time I watched this, I just started like dying, laughing at that. Like he just starts smiling and then you see him in the car. Just, like, <laughs> yes. Like he starts with his cereal. Like his cereal, his cereal suddenly got a little bit more delicious when she slammed her door. And then he's in the... Yeah. So funny. I love it. Yeah, I did too. Um, and that's the thing. Like, there's been, it seems to me this season is funnier than than previous seasons so far. Oh, yeah. It seems like this season is, like, funnier, but more, like, intense. Yeah. So, like, it's different, but it's still Stranger Things. Yeah, like, I feel like they've, I know I'm just two episodes in, but I feel like the balance is is really good, especially with this episode. I know the first episode, you've got a lot to establish. They kind of needed to catch us up on what's been going on, what the, what the dynamic is in the group over the last year, year and a half, right? This episode, as we're getting into the story a little bit deeper, I felt like the balance was really, really good. Some very intense things. We just talked about that opening scene followed with this. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good example right there of back to back of how they're they're bringing the dynamic this season. Loving it so far. Robin, she was so funny. She was like, how many children are you friends with? <laughs> yes. I love Robin. I love her too. She's like one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character. She's amazing. Maya Hawk, So good. She's she's just laying it out perfectly. The dynamic to, between her and Steve and Dustin that we'll get into. Perfect. She's wonderful. She's great. That line was hilarious. Uh, it was kind of sad, though, wasn't it, that Steve seemed to be more excited to see Dustin than his friends are. And I say that kind of with the caveat that, yeah, his friends were hiding for him in his house and, you know, played the prank on him. And obviously they were very much excited and aware that he was coming home. But they abandoned him, too, shortly thereafter, especially Mike and Elle. So I don't know. I, f- I almost felt like Steve was more excited to see Dustin than the other friends were. Yeah, me too. It was kind of sad. 
Totally. But the Steve Dustin dynamic is Yeah. I'm glad funny. we're getting more of that. I love how Justin just like tries to whisper the yeah. code and then after failing twice he just shouts it out like so everyone can hear it. That was hilarious. He <laughs> it, but he's like he's got like the volume level of one. Like, and Steve doesn't hear that, right? And so there's no volume three or five. It just goes all the way to 10. Exactly. He needs to work on his subtlety a little bit more. Maybe just a little. Yeah. I like how, like, nobody actually cared, though. <laughs> right. Like, the whole mall stops and they're like, whatever, just some dumb kid. Yeah. I like how um he gave Dustin free ice cream and Justin said, so you can just eat all, like, as much of this as you want. And Steve says, I got to keep in shape for the ladies hmm. and then robin says yeah how's that working out for you <laughs> see and little things like that like i i mentioned last well so to, to carry forth this one of my hopes for this season was that steve finds you know a true meaningful relationship and he's trying so hard to impress these girls that come to the ice cream shop when the girl he's going to end up with is right there under his nose, which now that it seems to be isolating Steve and Dustin and, and um, Robin, I was going to say Maya, um, that seems to be even more. I'm, I mean, I don't think it's a, hard, it's a bold prediction at all to, to say that. Okay. But it's pretty funny when, like, and that's part of the coolness. Like, she's just not impressed by him at all, which I think is good for him. Um, the only question I have about Maya at this point is, what happened to her leg? Why does she have the blue Band-Aid? I didn't notice that. It's on her left knee. Maybe it was something that happened like in real life. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe she got herself shaving or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We talked earlier about the scene where Mike completely terribly lies to Eleven. And so she goes to visit Max. Uh, Mike goes, or see, I guess Lucas and Will come to visit Mike. And so we get this nice uh, edit cut scenes back and forth of the girls, girl talking and the guys, guy talking. And it's the just, guys are so, it's so good. Incorrect. It hurts. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. In what way? I don't remember exactly what was said, but I know they were incorrect. And I remember cringing <laughs> at that scene. <laughs> you know, honestly, there's, there's a little bit of wrongness happening on both sides, but for the most part, the guys are... I mean, it all starts with Mike lying to Eleven. I mean, what's Mike supposed to do? He got threatened by... I mean, he could just tell her. Well, and I've got a prediction on that that we'll, we'll get to. But at this point, he's been threatened by a man who is the town sheriff, who is also the girl he's dating father, and who is also a large man. So you can understand it some on some level why Mike is acting the way he is doesn't mean he couldn't have chosen, you know, a much better way of handling it, but he's also a, you know, what is he a 14 year old boy or 15? I'm not sure how old he's supposed to be in the, in the series at this point. I have um, no idea. Yeah. But it's, it makes for some, some pretty funny stuff, especially when the girls are like perfectly predicting what the guys are up to, you know, I'll bet you Lucas is over there. And, you know, she's completely like Max has Lucas figured out to a T, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, okay. So the other day I forgot exactly what we were saying, but I said something to Cameron and I like perfectly predicted what he was going to say. And then like right after I sent it, he 
like said what said he was going to say. Mm-hmm. And he was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny when Fur Lucas said that um, Max has turned him five times. <laughs> and then she, yeah. uh, he got him back. He won her back her every, back single, every time. single time. Were you surprised that they had broken up five times? Sort of. Just like, I don't know, the way he is, yeah. But I don't know. It was it was just funny. But it, I wasn't surprised that they would get back together. Yeah, I was surprised it was five times. Like, I'm not surprised that they've broken up and gotten back together. I mean, let's be honest. This is very immature love because they're they're new at love they're immature kids right this isn't you know these are the types of things you get mad about something stupid and you break up or what have you and you 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 know that's part of the learning process i guess so i'm not surprised that they had broken up and gotten back together except that they seem to be getting along so well like remember we talked last week about how she was like super chill about some stuff and didn't get overly mad about some things and maybe that's just an understanding that they've arrived at after having broken up and gotten back together five times (laughs) is that is it what is wrong with (laughs) exactly (laughs) and then she like puts him face in the water some more yeah yeah. (laughs) i felt felt so bad for will though yeah because he just wanted to play D D. And then they were over here like, no. Yeah. And even near the end of the episode, like after Mike gets dumped, Will's like, does this mean we can play D&D now? And they're still like, no. "No." Yeah. I feel so bad for Will. I know. He just wants to be a kid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Mike and Elle. Um, I I do have a prediction on that. Let's just say you still have Mike and Elle or, or maybe you've got Mike and Lucas and Max and Elle. Um, Dustin's with Steve, like that's going to leave Will by himself. Jonathan's out with Nancy. So I don't know. I'm concerned about what's going to happen with, with Will this season. Not that I feel like the monsters are going to get him this season. I'm just like, he's, we, our hope was for him to get to be a kid like the other kids. And I see him like being the odd man out and I hate that for him. You know, poor guy. (laughs) So we get a scene at the pool Billy makes his appearance, reappearance at the pool. The the moms are getting ready for him as in the past. Of course, Karen is going to uh, have a different feeling about him now. Um, She has no idea what's happened to him, of course. She goes to chat with him. He looks trashed like you would imagine you would be. Yeah, he's so sweaty. Gone through. Yeah, just looks terrible. And then all of a sudden he smashes her head against the shelves. That scared me. So I, you believed it? Yeah, I thought it actually happened. I did too. But I was like, no, there's no way. Because like, I mean, yeah, she has like a family. There's no way they could kill her off. And then that didn't happen. And I was yeah. like, what? Did you just like imagine that? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it sets up a, a nice picture of what's going on in his mind so that we have an understanding of what he does with Heather later on. So we don't need to see it again, but it worked really well. I mean, I, I kind of like the way they did that. They gave us the shock value of him doing that to Karen. Like we, we instantly know what happens with Heather later on. So this is a really cool way of doing it. I totally fell for it too. I was like, I remember jumping in my chair when that happened. I was just shocked. Like my mouth fell open. I was like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. But it it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Erica. Cause for me, episode two, just as annoying as she was in episode. And I'm surp- again, I'm surprised by this. I loved her in season one. I think I still will love her this season, but two episodes in, She's she's just annoying. 
I love Erica. She was so funny. She was just like, I want to try all the flavors because I'm over here like too scared to try even one flavor. I don't know. I just think she's so funny. I love her. I think what bothered me about this is I think she's probably already spent her ice cream money and she's just trying to get free samples over and over again. (laughs) She's funny, though. And has attitude with it, too. She's funny. I love her. She's annoying. Be be nice. Remember how we were getting on? You were getting on to Blake um in the recap that she was like annoying or whatever and and now you're agreeing with them don't be like blake i know i shouldn't want to i shouldn't be like blake everyone should aspire for something better than that exactly <laughs> love you blake um but I, and that's what i'm saying i want to be clear i think i will like her they need to give her something to do because if that's is all that they're going to give her to do is to to come in and be snotty towards someone then she's not going to beginning any better but i i think they've got more planned for her this season so i'm i'm anxious for that to happen okay let's focus on uh jonathan and, and nancy a little bit here they follow the rats she gets she gets out of work they follow the lead on the rats and i love miss driscoll she's awesome she's so cute she's fantastic i'm scared something's gonna happen to her and i hope not because she's amazing I can't respond to that. I know you can't. I don't want you to. But I just for the record, an Erica annoying, Miss Driscoll, awesome. I like how she's like, You want some lemonade? I think that was like later in the episode. She, yeah, yeah. She's so nice. Jonathan taking the photos, clearly something's wrong with the rat. Nancy won't let him stick around for a couple more minutes. Boy, this is the way it so happens in television, right? You oh, just yeah. you know, stuck around for one more minute, you would have gotten the lead. I was shocked though what I saw when the rat blew up, because going back to last week, we saw all those rats blowing up, and for me, I just thought they died. Right, they blew up and they died, but what we saw here was that it blew up and became its own autonomous, amorphous blob, and it scurried away. I don't know if it's going to... I think there are three options here, two of them highly related. One is it scurries away and becomes its own massive blob. Like, uh, And by doing that, it would go kill something like a cat or possum. <laughs> twos. <laughs> exactly, twos. <laughs> uh, the, and that's, that's what I mean. It, it, it goes off and scurries off on its own or and or it starts killing and becomes bigger. Or the other thing is it, it rejoins the big bigger blob at the mill. So it's it's honed in. It's going to go there. But I think the big blob we see at the mill, I mean, all those rats that blew up at the mill last week came together to create the big blob thing that we saw at the mill that had the face hugger tentacle arm thing. So I'm just was blown away by this. Like I did not see this coming at all. I thought the blob thing had come over from the upside down and it killed all the rats because it was sucking their energy or something like that. But to me, from what I see this week, like I said, the rats blow up and become the blob, which is still weird. Like how did that happen in relation to what, what from the upside down made that happen? But it's the upside down. It can do whatever it wants. Oh, (laughs) maybe so. So I'm I know I'm sure we'll learn more about this, but this I just I was so didn't see this coming, so I loved it. Okay. Carrie Elwes as Mayor Klein is 
perfect casting so far. We've only had the one scene with him, but he owned that scene. He was so good in this scene. It doesn't seem like he's the guy from The Princess Bride. It doesn't seem like Wait, wait. He's Wesley? Yes. Did you not realize this? No. (laughs) See? He's completely different. It's also because I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unlike anything else. Like Robin Hood Men in Tights? Nope. Uh, Liar, Liar? Nope. Uh, I'm trying to think of... There's another role or two that are just escaping me. But yeah, he's completely different. I can't imagine anyone else being in this role. He's playing it so perfectly. I hated... He's so annoying. Like That's I want to, exactly. I want to slap that stupid grin off his face. It's so annoying. <laughs> the grin and the cigar. Yeah, yeah. He's just perfect. Speaking of this uh, scene with him, did, so he was reading the paper when Hopper came in, and if you look on one of the pages on the paper, it says Bradley's big buy, and I wouldn't know this without our own Bradley. You know, just before the season started, he we own him now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Um, he went and did a a tour of different filming locations, and he posted it to our Facebook group. And he's one of those pictures was of Bradley's Big Buy. It's an actual store, and it is the store where Elle steals the Egos back in season one. They rebranded it like they often do, but I thought it was cool to see the ad for the real Bradley's big buy, which again was fictionalized where 11 stole the waffles, but an ad for the real world thing was in the paper that Mayor Klein was reading. Nice, nice little Easter egg. (laughs) It reminded me of one of an Easter egg I didn't mention last week, but when Hopper and Joyce are talking there in, in Melvald's, there's a pharmacy section in the background and you see a nameplate on the counter of the pharmacist. And that, so I screen paused it and got the name and Googled the name and Stranger Things. And it turns out that's the real world name of the guy who owns that business that is portrayed as Melvald's. He also own, owns the business that was portrayed as Radio Shack. Oh, cool. So it's like they're giving him a little bit of a, you know, an Easter egg shout out in the in the show. That'd be so cool. Speaking of set locations, we get a really good look at the mall this episode as L and uh, Max and even the boys are going around doing all their shopping. We'll talk about the montage, but man, I knew that Netflix had taken the actual mall that's located in Atlanta because our my friend Jody lives around the corner and he told me one day, he's like, hey, I think I think Stranger Things is filming at the mall around my house because like this mall is like shut down and yet it's been relabeled as Starcourt Mall. And he sent me a couple of pictures that we posted to our Facebook group. And that was like a year ago that he sent that information over to us. But I had no idea the level of detail that they were going to be recreating this mall. I mean, they legit recreated, they spent a ton of money recreating this mall. I was really impressed. I mean, I know we got some of the mall last week, but we got more of it this week. And the more we get it revealed, holy cow, (laughs) they they spent a ton of money on this mall. Yeah. It looked really good. Like you couldn't even tell that it was like abandoned. Right. I mean, even like inside the stores, like last week, we just kind of saw the store fronts. Okay, you put on some neon and you just make the store front look legit. This week, we're seeing inside different stores. Yeah, they actually had like clothes in there. Exactly. I wonder if the um, 
actors got to take any of that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It was cool. I was really impressed with them. I know we're spending a lot of time at the mall this season. Um, I mean, with an episode title called The Battle at Starcourt, I'm under the assumption that most of the episodes are occurring at the mall. So it makes sense that they would spend a lot of money there if, if it's being their primary set, but really cool. What did you think of the different things that happened at the mall with the boys, with the girls, the montage with Ellen and Max and all that stuff? Okay, it always annoys me whenever um, they're like two groups of people in the same place, but they don't know the other ones are there. Yeah. And they're so close, but they never run into each other. Yeah. So I'm really glad that they did run into each other at the end. That would have bothered me so much. I hear much. you. Mm-hmm. I loved when the boys went to go get something for 11. They found that little $300 teddy bear thing. Yeah. And they were like, $300? That was funny. Yeah, especially at the end when you find out that Mike only has $3.50. Yeah. Like, it's funny how you can have the complete misunderstanding of money when you're that age. I remember being at a garage sale, for example. Garage sale. And there was a set of golf clubs for sale. And it said 40 on there. 40 cents. And I couldn't, I mean, it's a garage sale, so I thought, there's no way they're selling these for $40 at a garage sale. So I asked them if it was 40 cents and they looked at me like I was, and I was a kid. I mean, I was probably like eight, maybe 10 years old. Um, But yeah, they were asking $40. And to me, I just had, I mean, to me, I thought you could buy a brand new set for $40. I just have no concept of what real money spins like in the real world, in the real world, if that makes any sense. So I could totally relate to, to Mike, hoping he could spend his $3.50 and it turns out to be 300 been there. Uh, I was kind of surprised that they didn't go like buy a stuffed animal teddy bear. I loved the scene with um, Eleven trying on the different clothes. Yeah. And then later whenever they went to try on the heels and after that the the girls like gives them the mean look and then she makes the drink explode. I... The girl who, whose drink explodes, I, I'm i so confused as to how she like didn't get completely annoyed with her hair because it's so like big and fluffy and I would it's just the 80s. Like, well, yeah, but like my hair annoys me and it's not like that big or fluffy. It's wavy and long, but it annoys me so much, but it's not that big and fluffy. I just don't like my hair getting in my face. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Elle and Max spent a ton of money at the mall. I mean, they got ice cream. They, those pictures, that, that photo session back in the day, those were called glamor shots and those were pricey. Every girl wanted to get glamor shots done and they were expensive. They, what else did they buy besides the ice cream and the glamor? Sh- oh, the well, clothing. 11 got some clothing and stuff. So I don't Where know. Where did they get all the money from? Yeah, I don't know if like, They've got an allowance around the house or maybe their moms just gave them money. Like if it was Max's money that she got for spending or if maybe both of them get an allowance or something like that. But not that I need to know. TV is is that way, right? They People who need to have money for a scene have all the money it takes. That That's just common. But it was weird that they were just able to just do whatever they wanted as if money were no object. I and mean, clearly that's not the case of them. But like, with Mike, like with all with Mike and all of them, yeah. they were just like, 
I need three hundred dollars, and right. Mike's like, I have three dollars and fifty cents. Exactly, because you would think, I mean, the Wheelers and the Sinclairs seem to be the most well off in the show, right? Yeah. So, and it could just be they don't get an allowance in their households or whatever. But it was interesting. Yeah, I loved when um, Ellen Max went to get ice cream, and Steve's like, "Are you even supposed to be here?" Right. <laughs> And then they just like run away laughing. It's he's okay. But so he said that Mike said that. And then 11 makes the girls milkshake blow up earlier. I mean, it's dangerous. I mean, it seems like they got away with it. They're getting on the bus at the, or they get on the bus at the end of the episode, but you never know who was watching. I mean, kind of like with Hopper in the final scene, that guy he bumped into like, it's pretty obvious we're going to see that guy again. He had that look. And I'm just so I'm just saying that was really dangerous. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back to bite them, that they were just out nonchalant at the mall, even making a scene of themselves, being seen by a lot of people. Not the wisest move. I'm surprised nothing happened this episode, because remember when they first got there and Eleven was like, there's too many people. This is against the rules. Yeah. And Max says, oh, you have superpowers. What's the worst that can happen? Whenever somebody says that, that's like a <laughs> that's true. major red flag, but nothing happened. Yeah, so true. I was like, hmm, okay. Well, maybe that's because she didn't use her superpowers, but Max did. Max is the one that blew up the drink. Sure, Dad. My theory is going to be proven correctly. Sure, Dad. <laughs> so we talked earlier about the scene with Hopper singing. He immediately goes to see Joyce at Melvald's, uh, asks her out on a not date. We'll certainly get back around to that. But he kicks the magnets on his way out, the magnets that are on the floor. I don't think he does. I think he just walks by them. Because like, whenever she goes over there, they were, it was like a little like boxed area. So there wasn't a way for him to like hit it. I thought, and you might be right, what I thought happened was they had fallen off during the middle of the night and some of them were in the floor, like they like they were on that box thing, that's what they stuck to, but then they had lost their magnetism so they had fallen and as he's walking by, he just didn't see them and, you know, hit a few of them with his, with his foot. That's what I meant by kicked, but... Maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's not a big deal, but it turns out to be a big deal to her, I guess is where I'm trying to get here with, <laughs> with Joyce. And she just leaves Melvolds in the middle of the day. Now, I know they don't have any customers, but if Melvolds doesn't close, like Joyce is going to be out of a job one way or the other. Either Melvolds is going to close or the old cranky guy whose name I can't think of is going to fire her. Huh? Donald. That might be right. Yeah, I I know it's right. right. Yeah. He's going to fire her because she just left in the middle of the day. She's like, like, who does that? Why would would he fire her? Not even he showed up anymore. (sighs) That's true, too. I don't know. Joyce is going to be having a, I just predict Joyce is going to have a a change in job by season four. One way or the other. She ends up at Mr. Clark's house. Clarky. Let's talk about this because. What's the J-O-T-T? Jot. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Should we call them Jot or Jark? Their shipper name. Because like. This is the mashup that I oh. that I never realized I needed, but I think I think something's developing here. No, no, I've got a big theory about this, so th- we'll, we'll get to this in our predictions segment. He just but. like op- the way he opened his garage door, he was just like standing in front of it like mm-hmm. that, 
And then he's like wearing shorts. It's always weird seeing like <laughs> grown men wearing shorts. Shorts at that length. What other thoughts did you have on their their experiment or what else is going on here? I mean, I didn't really think anything of it until um we saw Hopper at Enzo's mm-hmm. because then I was like, oh no, the date. So or the not date. Right. Right. <laughs> um I just felt so bad for Hopper because I was like, she's not done yet and he's she should be like getting ready for her date, not date. I feel bad for Hopper too, because yeah, she did stand him up for Mr. Clark, but it's not like that. Like she was, you know how Joyce is when she gets her head into something, she digs in all the way. Like she latches on and does not let go. And that's what she's doing with these magnets. So she just lost track of time. And I don't think there was anything, you know, malicious on her part or she wasn't trying to blow him off. But like, I just felt bad for Hopper though. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we see him drunk stumbling out of the restaurant um, he's he's not in a very good place right now. I like how he he pronounces like the name of one of the drinks wrong, and the waiter just looks at him funny. All right, I think we have one more thing to talk about, and that is the results of the Scoops Ahoy gang. Oh yeah, so earlier in the episode, whenever they're trying to translate or whatever, mm-hmm. seems like oh that music sounds familiar, and Dustin's like. Why are you listening to the music? Right. I love the payoff here. Yeah. But this just seems like such a coincidence. Like if it didn't have the music in it, they wouldn't have like figured it out that like it came from there. No, no, for sure. At least not at this point. I thought it was funny too, because when Robin is giving her qualifications for being able to help them. She never mentioned Russian. No, but she did mention that she was a music nerd or band nerd. Yeah. Colby. Yeah, but Nolan. but yeah, Steve is the one. Obviously, Steve had said something about music earlier too. So yeah, yeah, it was funny whenever um, she was like, "I'm fluent in four languages" or whatever she said. <laughs> yeah, and he says Russian, and then she said something in Pig Latin. I'm like, "That's Pig Latin. That's not Russian." I know. And then he, they both fall for it, and then Steve's like, "Yeah, come on, Justin," and like he slaps him. <laughs> I can't believe neither one of them realized that was Pig Latin. I know. <sighs> Like, oh Russian goodness. doesn't sound like that. No. Latin is really easy to spot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not their best moment. But funny. Made for a funny moment. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as their thoughts on the code, I mean, they match mine. I don't have anything other than, than what they said about, you know, it could be a location or it could be a weapon or it could be a person's name. I'm as lost as they are with the with the codes. I know what it means. Well, of course you do. You've seen the whole season. Well, not my fault. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying there's a reason you know and I don't. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I love the episode. It was a lot of fun for me. I've got some theories of, of some things that we're going to get to momentarily. Uh, but as far as episode rating, I've got 8.5 pony rides. And I give it nine $300 teddy bears. Very nice. Okay, well, good ratings, high ratings from both of us. Uh, let's find out what the listeners had to say this week. Is 
So speaking of listener feedback, um, Addie sometimes is just innocently naive about things. And so I wanted to share a funny conversation we had because, you know, we're, we're obviously back into the swing of things now. A lot of people, for multiple reasons, don't listen to the things that we did during the off season. And I, we don't get hung up in stats a whole lot at all. In fact, this may be the last time we look at stats for the rest of the season. But I was curious this week. And so it had been right at 24 hours since the episode. Oh, yeah, dropped. I know what you're talking yeah. about now. And uh, so I looked at the, to see what our stats were, and I was I was surprised. And so I went into our room and I said, hey, Addie, um, in the last 24 hours, guess how many people have listened to our podcast? And you said, I don't remember. I think you said uh, 13. Yeah, I said like 13 or something. And I laughed and I'm like, um, give me a real guess. What do you really think the number is? And you said. That's what I actually think. And I said, okay, it's higher than that. And so you said. 20. I think you said 30. Oh, 30. But it might have been 20. And I'm like, really? That's what you think? And you said, yeah, no one listens to our podcast. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, the real number is 3,000. And you were like shocked that there were that many people listening to our podcast i didn't think that many people would listen to it because like i mean for me i just can't listen to people talk it has to have music (laughs) yeah you think podcasts are boring yeah yeah like i don't i don't even listen to our own podcast yeah well i think everyone knows that only a couple of only a couple people my age listen to it so i mean like i know like i bet it's more than you think it may be but i don't know because like freshman year in biology my friends would like tease me about it so I'm like okay nobody listens to podcasts yeah well i think it's more than you think and of course the I, we looked at the number again today just because we were still curious and it was up to five thousand people had listened to it so um so thank you all for listening I, we we get to hear from a few of you guys this is why i bring it up uh we get to hear from a few of you guys during this feedback segment each week most of you we never hear from and so uh, we know there are a ton more of you out there listening than what we get to hear from. And so we just wanted to take a minute and say, thank you. We're so glad that you listened. And I'm glad that Addison was legit shocked that that many people would listen to us this week. It's uh, yeah. made our day. So let's get it kicked off with some Twitter feedback. We have something on Twitter. We have something from Twitter. Two people from Twitter. In fact, we have Halfway Happy, which is a great Twitter name said, I'm listening to a Stranger Things podcast and it's a teenage girl and her dad and it's so nice. Their dynamic is so lovely. Uh, apparently my thing for podcasts is two people who have a loving relationship having a little chat with each other about something I'm interested in. So any recommendations along these lines would be welcome. And she says, it's upside down GSM, by the way. It's very chill and nice. Big fan of Addie and Daryl. And she spelled both of our names right. Dude, thank you. It gets misspelled all the time. <laughs> it does. Both of ours do. A lot of people like to add the E, A-D-D-I-E to your name. Yeah, or A-D-D-Y. That's true. Yeah. And mine gets misspelled in all kinds of different ways. So D-A-R-Y-L. That's probably the most common. Yeah. My other brother, Daryl, Daryl Washington, that's how he spells his. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, well, halfway happy. We are all the way happy that you are enjoying our podcast. That was a good joke. Thank you. Yeah. Do my best. This one's also from Twitter. Uh, James Cooper says, I've just watched episode two. I really enjoyed it. However, my sleeps a lot cat wasn't bothered, <laughs> but then he's not bothered about much. Love the group playing 
the song from the lady killers as hop went into the restaurant just to kill but poor hop poor hop the music was great in this episode there's that song there's cold as ice right after l dumps mike um of course don't mess around with jim was uh that one was so funny i love that scene yeah it seems like i'm forgetting another song too but excellent song choices all right. Thank you, James. Let's get into some audio feedback. And Bradley. This one comes in from Bradley. I played him after the credits last week because I forgot to put him in our notes. So we forgot to play him. And then I was editing the episode. And I was like, crap, forgot to put in Bradley. So I wanted to give him first dibs this week with audio. Here he is. This is Dustin. Do you copy? Over. Hello, Daryl and Addie. This is Bradley coming at you with another transmission from the Upside Down about Stranger Things 3, Episode 2, The Mallrats. Right off the bat, this scene gave me a lot of questions and little answers. So what's what's going on? Where, where are these people from? Have they always been here? Uh, why haven't we seen any people in the Upside Down before? Has the Mind Flare created these? Are there Upside Down versions of everyone? You know, Billy's told to build it like you said. This leads to a prediction that I have. Um, and one thing I think that will happen, I feel like that in order to do his deeds, that the Mind Flayer has to create an right-side-up version of himself to sort of rule and to conquer. So we see the rats that are turning into blobs and scurrying off, whatever. What if they are making these big creatures, something with the gangly limbs and something that looks a lot like the smoke the smoke monster does or the mind flare that we've seen, just a smaller version maybe? Um, that could be what was in the basement where Billy goes or maybe it's the real smoke smoke monster, but I feel like it would be like everything that he wants to accomplish. It might be something else. That might have been what the rats exploding at the beginning were. That was the remnants of him, and he killed these rats in order to make a version of himself in the Upside Down, and the Steelworks is his home base. Just a thought, though. Hopper singing was great. I would love to see the outtake reel of that. I'm sure that David had a lot of fun doing that. And he did it in a bunch of different styles, you can tell. Um, and so he probably had a lot of fun with that. I'd love to watch that. And I think that just goes to show that you don't mess around with Jim. Ain't that right, Hop? Robin reminds me so much of her mother, uh, Uma Thurman, uh, in Pulp Fiction. Especially in this episode, the mannerisms, the over-exaggerated moving of her lips, you know. Hello, I can hear you. Uma has that, that real distinct way that she talks. I really forgot how much I loved um, Steve and Dustin's chemistry and dynamics until uh, I watched this episode. Just how funny. I really hope we get to see them together for the rest of the, the season. He had the rats eating the manure, which has certain chemicals in it, but now you have Billy looking like he's drinking something. Um, was it just a bottle of water? Maybe I missed it. I don't, I don't think it, you know, it looked like he was in the chemical room on purpose. I don't know what that's about. Maybe we'll get an explanation of that later on. And what do the chemicals have to do with a steelworks place? We'll see what happens. Uh, I didn't expect the blob to crawl, you know, as I mentioned. That was sort of surprising, and it crawled really fast. 
Billy's in pretty rough shape, and it looks like he's bound to unleash his wrath on someone. And of course, we see later that he does. Um, I love the Max and L escapades in the mall. What fun these bygone malls used to be. And look look at Elle stepping up, you know, laying down the law and being her own person, uh, which I guess you could say that maybe it's Max influencing her. But, you know, this is a good step for Elle. And, of course, Hopper is going to be ecstatic about all of this, I'm sure. And Hopper gets the finest shirt he can from the J.C. Penney, whatever that place is. Uh, maybe you've heard of it, Daryl. Uh, it must be an old person store. I guess the Russians are in Hawkins, and here we see the super soldier again. Hopper got stood up. That's never fun for anyone. I really love that they gave the gave the new monster, you know, its own sound. And maybe, just maybe, this is the Demogorgon, or a Demogorgon. I don't think so, but, you know, that's a possibility. Who knows? Um, and Billy sure has picked up an interesting hobby in his free time. Daryl, you mentioned that you thought that Dustin would be the new data from Goonies, and maybe that's an ep- that's the evolution of his character. I always saw him as the chunk of the group, down to the food he eats in seasons one and two uh, that we discussed in the recap episodes, but I don't think they, I think they um, were left on the cutting room floor talking about how he ate pizza and, uh, you know, his his candy bar of choice and all the snacks and stuff, a lot like uh, Chunk does in The Goonies. Uh, the the board used being used for important things, as Robin said, when she was just using it to keep up with how many times Steve got rejected was pretty funny. You are o four six Popeye. I felt like Robert and I are on the same page about the superhuman Russian. Uh, I think that was a good note from him last week, and uh, the vaporwave style is great and super evident in this episode. And that's something that Chris Chris mentioned that I I really agreed with. It's a very big departure from the former uh, color palettes from season one and two. As for my rating, but I would give this episode nine Russian secrets out of ten. What? Nine Russian secrets out of ten. Just speak louder. Nine Russian secrets out of ten. Jeez, shh. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought you said. I'm excited to hear what both of you think. So, this is Bradley signing off from his boat in Greenbow, Alabama. Over and out. Wow. I love that. <laughs> that was uh that was quite the production we just got to, to be a part of there. It was funny how he like incorporated like audio pieces from mm-hmm. the show. <laughs> Very well done, Bradley. Uh thank you for that. Excellent stuff. All right. Uh let's get back to the written feedback. Uh your favorite person, the guy who inspired your sign off, in fact, if I remember correctly. What? This is my sign-off. What? I thought you stole it from him. No. Are you sure about this? Yes, my sign-off. Oh, okay. You're probably right. I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm always right. Okay, so Ben T says, Hey guys, here for my thoughts on Season 3, Episode 2, The Mall Rats. Now the episode is really more lighthearted, but Billy's plotline and the rat's dead body moving around is creepy and kidnapping Heather. Tsk, tsk. <laughs> <laughs> um... Now, I did notice Mr. Clark's love for Weird Al Yankovic, uh, which is amazing as a fan of his music. Plus, the mall scene was great. Anyway, until next time, stay strange. Ah, uh, that's the other song I was trying to think of. What you stay strange, Benji. <laughs> did you call him Benji? I said Benji. Oh, I thought you said Benji. 
All right. Excellent stuff. Thank you, Ben. Let's move into our next audio. And this one comes in from Charlotte. Hi, Addie and Daryl. My name is Charlotte, here to talk about episode two, The Mall Rats. First of all, this is my first time on the podcast, which is really exciting stuff because I've listened to the two other seasons of your podcast and I really enjoyed it. So I thought I would, you know, come in and share my opinions and also a little bit about myself. So first of all, I'm 14. I live in Maine, Derry, Maine, obviously because of Finn Wolfhard. And I'm a little bit obsessed with strangers. Okay, I'm a lot obsessed with stranger things. Like, there aren't any any words that I can use to describe this. Which, I'm kind of glad that I'm not the only one who cares this passionately about my children. They're my children, first of all. But, you know, they're my children. Um, <laughs> so, how I'm doing this is that I, I binged the whole thing, obviously. So, I know what happens in the end. But I wrote down all my thoughts for the different episodes. So for my feedback, I'm just going to pretend that I don't know what's happening. And I'm just reading what I wrote. Um, <laughs> so first of all, Malevin is okay. I, lo- I, I kind of love how they broke up, honestly. Because it was the funniest thing ever. I watched the episode today and I replayed that scene like 70 million times. Because it's absolutely incredible and I love it with all of my heart. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad they broke up, not going to lie, even though Malevin, I love Malevin. And I love um, Max and Elle, too, because they're really cute. And, you know, Eleven needs something normal in her life besides, you know, Labs and Hopper and idiot Mike. Even though I love Mike, he's my he's my favorite child. Don't tell my other kids, but he's my favorite. <laughs> and I think it's hilarious how Lucas took Mike to go shopping for 11 because like what does he know about relationships he's only in he's also only been in one so I don't know but it's really that see that whole scene is really funny (laughs) but Nancy and Jonathan I I don't know what's going on Mrs. Driscoll really kind of she kind of scares me I feel like there's something up with her I'm not sure though but rats are terrifying now I'm scared of exploding rats which makes me think, because the rat exploded, and stupid Nancy apparently had to leave right that second. Jonathan didn't see the rat explode. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I think that the monster that we've seen in the trailer comes from not just that rat specifically, but, like, maybe more rats. Because there was that in the last episode where the, all the rats exploded. So I think that could be a possibility. And also the thing with the magnets, with Joyce and the magnets, I think that the magnetic field was that scary um, electricity thing at the beginning with the Russians trying to open the gate. Because I I just don't know what else it could be. And also there's that whole part where Steve realizes that the Russians are close, which also brings me to the whole fact that Robin, how quickly, I just don't understand, it doesn't make sense like how quickly she figured out what the tape was saying because she doesn't speak Russian. And like, even though, you know, she had a dictionary, but I just don't understand that. And Billy, okay, so <laughs> Billy, the first time I watched it, when Billy's like in the Upside Down talking to other Billy, I thought all the people behind other Billy were also Billy, and I was really confused for the rest of the season. So, but I figured it out, they're not, they're other people. <laughs> so, that whole concept reminds me of the movie Us, 
how like there's like a regular world version of a person and then there's like a other universe version that's like evil that is seems like the exact same thing to me and also I'm really sad for Hopper because he he was really excited and he had Flo go to JCPenney and get him that stupid shirt which I kind of love <laughs> and I think that is it for this episode my rating was 10 out of 10 broken magnets because I couldn't think of anything else so yeah talk to you later i'm a fan of charlotte yeah me too but <laughs> she seems to think that my kids are her kids um don't know where she's getting that from but <laughs> can't wait to hear from her again <laughs> that was awesome in so many ways it was so we've had a couple of people mention the uh, hopper's sh- shirt now i didn't i didn't mention it uh in my notes so even bradley mentioned it was an old person's store i might know something about it i appreciate that bradley that was funny. You are an old person. I I appreciate you. I love you, Addison. Dad. Yes, you're so nice to me. I, I mean, it, to me, it's just a nod to the Magnum PI that we. I cut it out of our last week's episode. We talked about his mustache being thicker this season, and it being, you know, him trying to be like Magnum. And now we have the shirt. Clearly, he's trying to be, you know, channel his inner Magnum PI. Sure. Yeah. Charlotte, so many good things there. Thank you, and looking forward to hearing from you again. Yes. All right. Um, This one comes in from Les. And Les says, hey, guys, another amazing episode. Thought I would use Les as my tag this time as I'm not a girl. LOL. I left the Back to the Future Gene's feedback uh, rant over for the last episode. So and I I messaged Les back. And so real name is Leslie. And I'm assuming I referred to Leslie as a girl last week, which I wrote him back and I'm like, I am so sorry. Number one, I should know better than that because I've done that so many times over the years. I should I should have known to not do that anymore. And second, one of my best friends from high school was a guy named Leslie. Like, but I, anyway, I apologize to him. Also wanted to do it publicly. Uh, Les says, I wonder if Bob's ghost is trying to warn our heroes of the impending doom. I know the machine is mostly the cause of the magnets, uh, but it's plausible. Uh, I was also shocked when Eleven dumped Mike. That won't last long. As always, love the show. Keep up the good work. Okay, so Les has mentioned the breakup. Uh, Charlotte mentioned the breakup. It was hilarious. It was so funny. Yeah, I I did predict that last week. That although I never I never would have thought it was coming this soon. Like I know I predicted between the two couples, the kid couples, Mike and Eleven would would be the one to break up before the end of the season. But I never would have guessed episode two. It was hilarious, though. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I dump you. Poof, she's gone. I do think they'll get back together. Sort of. Prediction coming on that soon. And now audio from Geoff. <laughs> exactly. If you're going to spell your name like that, I'm pronouncing it Geoff. He didn't choose to spell his name that way. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> Transmissions from the Upside Down. 
Okay, my theory about the Russian base being on the opposite side of the world as Indiana kind of didn't fall in line because the opposite side of the world would be the ocean on the other side of Australia. So it still makes me think, is there something near Indiana that they're transmitting this code to and it's a base there that's kind of linking up with the one in Russia. I just don't know. And this alien thing in the steel mill pushing itself down people's throats and taking control that sounds a whole lot like the aliens franchise man this season is just so good all right those are my thoughts x-force 11 out thank you geoff very cool yeah definitely some aliens vibe for me too jeff totally yeah. with you all right uh next written in comes in from linda Linda says, I've actually had dreams since watching this episode about the rats and Billy and Michael Jackson. Yes, that Michael Jackson. In the early 70s, there were two rat movies, Willard, which was pretty tame as it was about pet rats, until the Double Rat joined the group as the show ended. Double Rat got his own movie the following year, Ben. Ben was evil and scary and a really ugly sewer rodent. Enter Michael Jackson, who sang the title song, which was sweet and sad and not at all ugly. It was essentially an ode to a rat. (laughs) Interestingly, this was Jackson's first hit single at age 14, after leaving The Five. Give it a listen and wonder if you would have thought it was about a rat. Cut to 1982. And one of the biggest music videos ever. I just watched all 14 minutes of it. And as I suspected, poor Billy looked like he just walked off the set of Thriller. Even the background and lighting lent itself into the atmosphere. All it needed was narration by Vincent Price. This video came out in 1982, so all the kids would have seen it. Chills. Okay, now I can stop thinking about rats and go back to trapping raccoons. Really big, but cute rats. <laughs> <laughs> so you think you'd be checking out Ben? Mm, possibly. Possibly. Will you be checking out the Michael Jackson song? Possibly. Yeah, I can I, see myself doing I that. wonder if mom's heard it because she's a huge Michael Jackson fan. You're right. I'll have to ask her. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Linda. And let's move into some audio again. This one's from Justina. Hi, Daryl and Eddie. This episode gets 9 out of 10 mysterious magnets. This episode really did raise a lot of questions in my mind. In the beginning, we see that Billy is faced with a doppelganger of himself. This made me wonder if the mind player tries to bend people to their will by assuming the face of someone that they trust. We've seen in previous episodes that Billy really doesn't seem to get a lot of support from his parents in his home life, and him and Max seem to be on their own quite a bit. So perhaps Billy depends on himself the most, and that's why the Mind Flayer took that form to speak to him. Or the alternative is that there's evil doppelgangers of everyone, and we're going to start seeing some of our favorite characters, faces that we love and trust, that are really evil and devious and working for the Mind Flayer. I also started thinking about the mayor, The people are clearly unhappy. Klein is swine. What if, by the time the 4th of July celebration comes around in a few days in Hawkins, the mayor is not thinking independently at all, 
and is under the sway of the mind flare. Steve inspired this week's poll question. He thinks that the familiar tune in the Russian recording proves that the recording is not from Russia and is from somewhere closer by. So perhaps what we saw in Chapter 1 this season was not really Russia, but just some base flying the Russian flag? So the poll question this week is, is the upside down a global problem? Please go over to goldenspiralmedia.com under the Stranger Things podcast and cast your vote. Have a great week and keep your eyes open for all things strange. I like her idea of Billy seeing himself in the upside down because that's the person he trusts the most. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I didn't either. Good thoughts, uh, Justina. So she mentioned the poll this week is the upside down a global thing. Uh, so go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash stranger things and get the poll question answered for that. That'll be a part of this episode, which is season three, episode four. Last week's poll question, which was, will Susie ever answer Dustin? It was a landslide. 92% of you said yes. 6% of you said no. And 3% of you said Susie's not real. Okay. Those 3% need to have some hope in Justin. Like, it's, it's not like he can't get a girl or anything. Like, okay. uh, uh, be nice to him. He's he's trying. All right. If they're not nice to Dustin, I have a feeling that you and Charlotte are going to team up and exactly. take them out. Like, protect our children. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Justina. And let's move into some more audio. This one comes from Shireen. Hi, Daryl and Addie. This is Shireen calling from New York City, giving you feedback on Stranger Things 3, Chapter 2, The Mallrats. First off, I just want to thank you both for your podcast. I've had so much fun listening in. I am in my 20s, so I'm not a kid, sadly, but I also didn't grow up in the 80s, so it's been really fun to hear both of your perspectives on the show. So just wanted to mention that the acting between Millie and Finn was so awkward and adorable in the beginning over the phone, uh, and the addition of Mrs. Wheeler listening in was priceless. It was so funny and very relatable. I also grew up in a time where we had one phone line running through the house, and my mom would listen in on my social calls sometimes, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, it was also a nice touch that Nancy flipped through the yellow pages calling different businesses. I did have the yellow pages at some point in my life, not anymore. Uh, but Addie, you should pick up a yellow pages book sometime and see how heavy they are. Uh, just wanted to mention a couple music things. Uh, they brought back You Don't Mess Around with Jim by Jim Croce, and that made the scene with Hopper in the car that much better. So great. Uh, I love that they brought back or they brought in Material Girl and that just made the classic mall scene with try on clothes really cute between Max and Eleven. Uh, one question I had was how did they get the money to shop? <laughs> and then I just wanted to mention a couple things about the cinematography of the show because I think that's something that really sets it apart from other shows that I watch and is why I love it so much. Uh, one scene in particular was the cutting together of Max giving Elle advice and Lucas giving Mike advice. I thought that really elevated the humor of the scene and it was great. Uh, I really also liked the whole sequence with Billy's sort of changing of the guard, if you will. Um, I thought that was really well done. So we get that in season, or episode one, 
uh, when Billy comes out and then passes by the moms. Um, and it's shot really slowly and it's kind of sultry. But then we get the same sequence of events again. So Billy comes out, he passes by the moms, he passes by Heather and goes up. But the camera gets really shaky. The light becomes blinding. We get up in Billy's face. We see that he's sweating. So it really showcases without words how Billy is feeling in that moment, having been presumably taken over by some monster that we don't know yet. I loved the circular pan shot where the camera rotated around Elle in the mall. And showcased how big the mall seemed to Elle and how awestruck she is. Uh, So again, really great showcasing emotion without words. I love, love, love when the characters pass by each other in space and we switch storylines. So like in the mall, when Max and Elle are walking, they walk right by Lucas, Mike, and Will and we switch to their storyline. So that was really seamlessly staged and shot and super smart directing. And we saw this a few times in episode one too. So I wanted to point that out. Uh, Just a few acting notes. I think Maya Hawke is an awesome addition. I love her dialogue delivery. The script that she was given was so whip smart and clever and Maya really delivers on it. Um, Carrie Elwes is also amazing. He is completely transformed in his role. Um, so obviously we know him as Wesley in Princess Bride, but he's this is like a 180 from that. He's so sleazy and amazing. I love how he's completely transformed himself. And of course, Dacre Montgomery, he is phenomenal. I can't allot his acting enough. He is so creepy, but so troubled, and he's done an amazing job so far in this role. Um, there are a couple callbacks to previous seasons. Uh, I love Joyce with all the books and when she's researching about magnets. Uh, so we got a book scene with Dustin last season, and so that was kind of fun to see that come back. And of course, love that they brought back Mr. Clark. He's an amazing character. I think both the screenwriters and the actors do an amazing job of giving us characters with so little screen time, but because they're written so well, we love them so much, so it was really fun to see him back again. Um, and they brought Stacy back from the snowball. When Remember when Stacy turned down Dustin at the ball, and they brought her back and blew up a drink in her face, so that was pretty funny. And of course, Elle dumping Mike at the end was awesome. Elle and Mike were so annoying in the first episode, like you guys noted, um, so that really paid off. Uh, and it shows that Max... that. Elle is her own person, and that, along with Max and Elle's friendship, showcases girl power. That's really fun. Uh, So I know that was a lot, but thank you so much, and have a good one, guys. I did not notice that that was (laughs) Stacy. So we're listening to this, and we don't typically listen to uh, feedbacks beforehand because we want our thoughts to be our thoughts, your thoughts to be your thoughts. And and if we share thoughts, that's great. Um, So Addie and I just like... We're hearing this for the first time. We both were just like, look, gave each other the slow look like, it was that? Like, we we both missed that. Yeah, I didn't notice it was Stacy, but now, yeah, that was totally Totally, <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad Shireen mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good thoughts, though. All the thoughts on the, 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 the director bits and stuff. I mean, we mentioned some of those, but she had a lot of great insight on that that we didn't mention. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. My mind's still a little blown. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Shireen. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you again. Uh, I've got one more audio this week before we move into Facebook stuff. And this one comes in from Chris. Hello, Daryl and Addie. This is Chris sending in feedback from New York State for the Stranger Things podcast, specifically season three, episode two, The Mall Rats. So I really appreciate the title of this episode because it's kind of clever. You have 
mall rats, as in the party spending time at the mall, but then you also have literal rats. So that's kind of cool. So in this episode, we see that magnets are not working. And of course, we first see this in the first episode, but it's explored a little bit more deeply in this episode. And I think it will continue to be throughout the rest of the season. It really reminded me a lot of the conversation in season one when Mr. Clark tells the boys that we would know if there were a gate between our world and another world because it would mess with the Earth's magnetic field. That seems to be what's happening. So I have a theory about Billy. I don't really fully understand what I'm about to say. <laughs> so my theory might not make a whole lot of sense because I don't even fully understand it myself. So I think that the Upside Down Billy, whoever that is, I am assuming that it's the Mind Flayer somehow taking the form of Billy. I don't know how he's doing that. Like I said, I don't fully understand this theory. But I think that the Mind Flayer is somehow taking the form of Upside Down Billy, or somebody or something in the Upside Down is doing that. And he wants to make our world a place of death and decay like the Upside Down. I think that's what he means when he tells Billy, I want you to build what you see. Once again, like the premiere episode, this episode is very colorful, especially during the montage of Elle trying outfits on. Although I did find that montage to be a little cheesy because it was just so much like what you see in so many movies, especially like teen romantic movies. You see those scenes all the time when a girl is getting ready for a hot date or she's getting ready to go out partying or she's spending time with her best friend and you see this montage of her trying on all these different outfits as if she's on a fashion runway and it just seemed very cheesy and cliche and you know I just I didn't really care a whole lot for that but I am a big Madonna fan so I appreciated hearing Madonna during that montage Poor Will. I feel so sorry for him because he doesn't want any part of this drama. He just wants to play D&D. <laughs> Find the poor boy, somebody to play D&D with. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times during this episode he said, can we please play D&D now? I just felt so sorry for him. I mean, he's been through so much and he just wants to spend time with his friends without all this drama around him. It's kind of funny, too, how Steve, you know, he's listening to the music on the Russian recording, and that ends up being very important. We initially don't think it is. And even Dustin tells him, Steve, don't be listening to the music. Listen to the words. But the music ends up being very important. So, <laughs> you know, Steve totally scored there. You know, we didn't think he was. We thought he was just being Steve. But it ended up being very important. So that was kind of cool. I give the episode eight perfume spritzes to the face. <laughs> I didn't think it was quite as good as the premiere, and that cheesy montage kind of brought it down a little bit for me. But overall, I really loved this episode. I think that season three is just totally bringing it. I'm already absolutely in love with it. So anyway, that's everything I wanted to say about this episode. All right. Thanks for listening. I think this has got to be cool for Chris and uh, Ben, and I know those two specifically. I think there's been others who have sent in, like, the day the episode, the season dropped on Netflix, they were watching an episode, sending us feedback, watching an episode, sending us feedback. So by the time Chris is listening to this podcast, he will have seen the entire series 
But his thoughts we just heard were after he had just seen the second episode. And so now he knows how right his thoughts were. I, that's a pretty cool perspective that not many people get. So yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Another, another call out there for Madonna's material girl. Good stuff. Uh, didn't like the montage. I can see that. Although I, I thought, I mean, yeah, it was cheesy for sure. It was playing off of every other thing that we see, but I kind of thought that's, that was the point because it is the eighties and it was reminding me of all those eighties montages you would get. I love the montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to each his own. I'm not saying Chris is... His opinion is wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying that. You might say that, but then you'd be wrong. Bro. <laughs> All right, well, let's move into our Facebook feedback. This one comes in from Ben. Uh, ben Crane, not Ben T. Um, he says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on who you predict will die this season. After watching episode two, my money, as much as I hate to say it, is on Hopper. I think Joyce and L will come to appreciate him a little too late when he has to sacrifice himself to save them. My doubts about this theory are twofold. Number one, what would happen to Eleven? Who would she live with? Where would she go? Etc. Number two, would they really do that to Joyce? She watches Bob get brutally eaten alive in season two, only to see Hopper taken out in season three. With that said, Joyce is my pick for second most likely exit. I just have a hard time believing they will kill off one of the kids. Well, that's it for now. Keep up the great work and stay strange. Hey, I just thought of that. Not bad, huh? (sighs) (laughs) It's not bad, Ben. I think you might have something there. Something with the Bens that listen to our episodes. I like to steal your sign off. So I've known Ben for 12, 13 years. Well, that's how old Colby is. A long time. And one of the things he and I used to work together. And one of the things that I think caused us to really form a a good friendship was that he and I think a lot alike in a lot of different ways. And this is uh, along those lines. And I replied to him and said, I have a detailed theory for uh, on this uh, coming this week on the podcast, very similar to yours with very similar questions. So I will get to that in my prediction segment. Um, but I wasn't surprised when he when he asked this, and we. I mean, it's so similar to my train of thought too. So, oh, I have a prediction of what will die. Oh yeah, Mike and Eleven's relationship. Oh, <laughs> wow! All right, you want to take the next one? Patty says, one thing I really appreciate about the show in general through all the seasons so far is that even though it's dark and gory in places, they still keep it fun when they're not dealing with monsters and stuff. The kids, teens now, do normal teen things, and then they go back to chasing monsters. Also, getting a strong Spy Kids vibe in this season already. As of Chapter 2, my prediction over who will die is Billy. Maybe Hopper, too. Or maybe one of those will be a cliffhanger. Are they alive, or did they just leave town? Stay strange, everybody. Seriously, stop stealing my sign-off! <laughs> that's great. Uh, spy Kids, I, that's a movie you're more familiar with than I am. Yeah, I mean, I don't really remember it that much, though. It was a good movie. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you, Patty. Uh, This one comes in from Trevor. He says, well, I think the L-Max duo is great. Max's advice for L does kind of worry me. L does need to learn. Thank you, Trevor. I agree with you, though. Quite sure she's mature enough for that yet. Max sneaking her into the mall and allowing her to use her powers like that out in public is just putting a big red flag on her back. 
I hope this doesn't stir up any negative attention towards L that can lead her to danger. Okay, so Faith replies to that. I feel the same way. I love Max, but she really does take Elle's powers a little too lightly. And obviously, Elle wants to fit in, so she'll do whatever makes her seem cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just reminded of when Elle walked into the buyer's house of, after returning from Chicago. and She yeets the demodog through the window. Yeah, after that. And Max is like, oh, Eleven, I've heard about you. And she just walks straight by Max, completely so ignores funny. her. And now you see them like they are in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, they've come along. Because I mean, they're like good friends in real life, too. Right. You're right. And Dianara chimed in and said, yeah, her advice was kind of irrational considering the line where Lucas said Max had dumped him five times. Linda says, I'm wondering if Max was the one to blow the new Cokes all over the girls. Mm. I said milkshakes earlier. It probably was New Cokes, knowing how they're like buying off this season. See, yeah. Linda, she's she's a smart lady. Mm, I still think you both are wrong. Okay. All right. Uh, Faith said, I loved Dustin and Steve in this episode. So happy that that relationship is still going strong. Linda also asked the question, where did Eleven get the money to buy that new outfit? Yeah, she's like the third or fourth person. I need to answer that question. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of people want to know. And then lastly, Dianara said, like Addie, I have already watched the third season twice. So I will only comment on the things that happened in this episode. I kind of feel bad for Billy. Sure, he's a jerk, but I don't think anyone deserves to go through the horrors that Will went through. As for Max, I feel she was really irrational in her reaction to Mike and Elle's relationship issues. I don't approve of how Mike handled the situation, but to be fair, the characters are only 14 or 15. However, Max also delivered an opportunity for Elle to experience what being a teenager is like, which she had sort of been longing for in the last season. The drink that Elle exploded on the girl that rejected Dustin killed me as well as when Elle broke up with Mike. I really despised the newsroom's reaction to Nancy's ideas. As for the creepier moments in this episode, the rat in Mrs. Driscoll's house really freaked me out, and Billy's visions are pretty weird too. Critique aside, I really enjoyed this episode. 10 out of 10. So she picked up on the uh, the Dustin rejection girl too. What's her name? Stacy. Stacy, yeah. I'm glad we have listeners to keep us in line. Yeah. yeah. They pay attention to the show better than we do. <laughs> they need to have the podcast. Uh, so good stuff this week from all of uh, the feedback contributors. Thank you to everyone who did that. And Addie will now tell you how you can be a part of next week's feedback section. You can send in your feedback at 304-837-2278 or our feedback page, which is goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Um, you can follow us on social media. Our Instagram is StrangerThingsGSM. Our Twitter is UpsideDownGSM. And our Facebook is www.facebook.com slash GSM. It's a miracle that we get so many people uh, at, asking to join our group every single day on Facebook, given that you're you know, direction on how to, like, they've got to slow the podcast down and probably listen to it three times to even figure out what you're saying. Yeah, basically. Well, uh, that wraps up our feedback segment and gets us into predictions. I've got three of them this week. Uh, My first one is that Eleven is a Russian spy. We got this from Murray Bauman 
in season two, he told Jim Hopper that there was a Russian spy, this girl with a shaved head. And, you know, we laughed at how Hopper reacted in that moment and blah, blah, blah. With what we saw this week with Steve and Dustin and Robin figuring out some of the Russian code. And then the big kicker was that song, which points it to Indiana. I'm thinking that L, we thought that L was being used to spy against the Russians. That Russian language that's being spoken there in uh, season one, uh, whatever episode number it was, it was the flea and the acrobat. We hear the Russian there, and he's basically saying something about the rumors that our Russian spies that are in the United States have been discovered, and he wants to talk to some people to find out if these rumors are true. That's the gist of what he's saying when L is observing him. My theory is that L was actually a Russian spy. Of course, she didn't know she was a Russian spy, but this was a way for the people at the Hawkins lab who were in cahoots with the Russians uh, to communicate with the Russians without being detected. Their people had been discovered and they needed a way to communicate completely off the grid. And so they were developing 11, not as a way to spy on the Russians, but to communicate with the Russians. And I base that theory on how would the Russians be connected with Hawkins? They have to be connected, in my mind, via the Hawkins lab. And that would mean that the people in Hawkins are working with the Russians. When Dr. Owens said, can you imagine if the Russians got a hold of this this technology? Either he was doing that just to throw them off. You know, can you imagine if the Russians got a hold of this? <laughs> you know, meanwhile, the Russians are a part of it. Or he didn't know. This was a Brenner thing and not a Dr. Owens thing. So I'm not sure about that yet, but my theory is that that they were developing her to actually be a Russian spy. Number two theory, Mike and Eleven will want to get back together this season, but will not. Something will happen that will prevent them from actually having that conversation to make up. And that leads me to my third theory. This is, goes back to what Ben was throwing out there. Uh, and Patty as well. Ben and Patty both said they got a bad feeling about Hopper. I also have a bad feeling about Hopper. I don't know if he's going to die. I mean, I'm having a hard time coming up with a way that Hopper dies um, for for the reasons that, that Ben said. Like, what happens to Eleven if Hopper dies? I'm just, what I see at the end of this episode is Hopper is in a, a dark place. He's feeling rejected by Joyce, even though she didn't mean to reject him. Um, I do think there's some possible chemistry between Joyce and Mr. Clark. If I look at people who match up best with Joyce, you've got, you've got her two previous relationships that we've seen. You've got Lonnie and you've got Bob. And if I'm being honest, Hopper's more like Lonnie and Mr. Clark is more like Bob. It's very clear to see how Bob and Mr. Clark are similar. I mean, Mr. Clark said that he learned everything, like Bob started the AV club and he learned everything from Bob and they're both nerdy and they like games and, you know, stuff like that. Right. And so they're very curious people, high energy people. I can totally see where that's a fit for her. Now I'm not saying that Hopper is like Lonnie. I'm not saying Hopper is a, is an irresponsible deadbeat dad. You know, for example, he's, he's not that, but they're both kind of control freaks. They're both more alpha style males. 
they both have anger issues. And I can see why Joyce would look at that and go, man, there's a lot to like about Hopper, but I'm not sure if he's a good fit. That's what I mean, where Hopper's more like Lonnie and Mr. Clark is more like Bob. I see, I never, like I said earlier, this Joyce, Mr. Clark thing is something I never saw coming, never thought I needed, but now that I it's been presented, I kind of like it a lot. So I see Joyce going in the direction of Mr. Clark and rejecting Hopper. I also see that Eleven is going to find out why Mike acted the way that he did, and that is because Hopper threatened him, and that is going to splinter that relationship. So Hopper's relationship with Joyce is going to be rejected. He's, his relationship with Eleven is going to be fractured again. We saw what happened the last time. There was a, a fight there. Yeah, she went to a different state. Yeah, so I'm just saying that that's going to put Hopper in kind of a downward spiral. Maybe he's going to need to, he says, you know, I need to get back to New York. Or maybe I need to just get out of Hawkins. So I could see that happening. But then I'm like, or maybe he gets killed, right? That I think that is an option too. Or maybe he gets sucked into the upside down. We've seen him almost die because of the upside down last season. Maybe something else happens this season. Maybe he's more susceptible and that hasn't been revealed yet. So I just have a bad feeling. You know, I'm going all Han Solo. I've got a bad feeling about this when it comes to Hopper. But then like I'm like Ben and I'm like, well, where does that put 11? I could see her living with any of the kids families. Maybe not Joyce because economically, especially if she doesn't have a job at Melvald's, uh, I don't know how she could afford to feed another mouth. But any of the other families, I can see that. Or this is where I'm going to, if I had to choose one or the other, she, remember I said that she and Mike wouldn't be able to get back together. Like they both, we see them, her talking to Max and, oh, I want to get back and him talking to Lucas, oh, I want to get back. But they never get to have that conversation. That's my prediction. And that's because she's going to be captured either by Brenner and or someone at the lab. I know the lab is supposedly out of existence or shut down. I'm not buying that yet. My That was one of my season predictions was that there's still some activity going on at the lab secretly. Or uh, the Russians, the Russians are going to capture her. I think that by the end of the season or at the end of the season, uh, Eleven is going to get taken away by someone or go away. Maybe she goes away with Papa willingly. I don't know. But that's that's my prediction. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening to all that and not to giving anything away with your facial expressions. I appreciate that. All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's get into some news today. Okay. Um, I'll take the first one here. This is Stranger Things Season 2 slays Netflix viewership records. If your 4th of July, this comes from the TV fanatic, by the way. If your 4th of July holiday did not consist of binging Stranger Things Season 3, you missed out, according to Netflix. Netflix has revealed that the 40.7 million accounts in the U.S. have been watching the latest season of the sci-fi drama. That's a record, according to the streamer, which notoriously stays silent about ratings, making renewal and cancellation decisions more surprising. What's more, at least 18.2 million accounts watched every episode of Stranger Things Season 3 since it debuted on July the 4th. As for the 40.7 million figure, there's no telling if that's an average for the season premiere or something else entirely. It's murky comparing Netflix numbers, especially when the streamer rarely delves into any detail. 
But still, the 18.2 million accounts completing this season is a very impressive number when you consider the state of of the TV industry today. With more TV shows on the air than ever, it's becoming increasingly difficult for shows to amass huge ratings. Any show on TV nowadays would kill to be a part of the 18 million viewer crowd. Netflix has yet to renew Stranger Things for a fourth season, but the reaction to the most recent season has been overwhelmingly positive. Stranger Things 3 is currently sitting at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. That average now takes into account both critic ratings and user ratings, making for a fairer score. If Netflix does renew Stranger Things for a fourth season, we'll likely have another long wait in store. We waited 21 months for the third season. The production values and TV shows are continuing to swell, meaning more time is needed between seasons. Bruh. Yeah. 18 million have seen every episode. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. TV shows on, you know, regular TV shows don't see that number anymore. Maybe top tier shows like Big Bang Theory. I know it had some high numbers before it it uh, ended. But I mean, that's high exclusive category there. That's pretty impressive. All right. We've got one more news item for you today. Netflix has an official Stranger Things podcast, sort of. Netflix has an official podcast, and um, it's called Netflix Behind the Scenes, Stranger Things. Their description is, it's summer 1985 in Hawkins, Indiana. The perms are tight, the shoulders are padded, and the mind flare is back. After you devour Stranger Things 3, host Dan Taberski will bring you even deeper into the show. With help from the cast and crew, you'll find out how the season came to be from script to screen. Episode 1 is called Coming Soon, Stranger Things 3. Episode 2 is called uh, Behind the Scenes, Stranger Things 3. And episode 3 is called The Star Court Mall. It's really cool that they listen to our podcast. It's really cool. And they even made us the official podcast. (laughs) Mm, This is cool. Now, it does say after you devour Stranger Things 3. And like I started playing each one just to kind of get an idea of who is hosting it, which is the Duffers and just the quality, which sounds excellent. Um, they do say right off the bat, if you've not seen all the season, don't listen. This is going to be full of spoilers. So if you're like me, you're going to need to wait until you finish before you devour the podcast. But I think it's amazing. One of my favorite things about the lost about watching lost was when they started the official lost podcast with the executive producers, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. So this sounds like it's in that same vein. Although I guess because they dumped the whole season at once, this one can talk about spoilers where that podcast about lost was week to week and you didn't have to worry about spoilers. So I'll have to wait. But if you like podcasts, which we're assuming you do, you might want to check this one out. Netflix behind the scenes, Stranger Things. That's going to bring us to a close. Addie, you want to uh, tell the folks playing at home how they can be part of next week's episode? Um, you can send in your feedback at 304-837-2278 or our feedback pages is goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. You can follow us on social media. Our Instagram is Stranger Things GSM. Our Twitter is Upside Down GSM, and our Facebook is www.facebook.com slash groups at Stranger Things GSM. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to a close. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Thanks to everyone who sent in feedback, and looking forward to hearing feedback from all of you for next week, which is called... Chapter 3 is called The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. 
Hmm, I wonder which lifeguard's been missing. Is it be Billy or Heather? Because they're both kind of in a bad place right now. It's obviously going to be Karen. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, tune in next time and find out. Thanks for tuning in this time. And until next time. Stay strange. <laughs>